Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, back after a summer uh, break there. Hope you had a rejuvenating summer. But we're going to move into the new season here, not just a fall, but a new season. And we're going to look at the book of Genesis. This time we're going to focus on the stories of Joseph that are found towards the end of that book. And uh, really excited to, to tackle this, not just because I love the, the musical Joseph and the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, but because I think this is such a, a rich story about, uh, yeah, what, what does it look like for God to show up and do good in spite of our own limitations uh, and our own uh, egos? Um, yeah, just the how God works, um, sometimes with us and sometimes in spite of us. So without further ado, let's get pondering. I closed my eyes, drew back the curtain to see for certain what I thought I knew. Genesis 37. Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his children because he was the son of his old age, and he had made for Joseph a long robe with sleeves. But when Joseph's brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Once Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, Suddenly, my sheaf rose and stood upright. Then your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. His brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Are you indeed to have dominion over us? So they hated him even more because of his dreams and his words. Joseph had another dream and told it to his brothers, saying, Look, I have had another dream. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars were bowing down to me. But when he told it to his father and to his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, What kind of dream is this that you've had? Shall we indeed come, I and your mother and your brothers, and bow to the ground before you? So his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So why the stories of Joseph? Like all Old Testament stories, already just in this brief snippet, we've heard lots of names and places that are totally unfamiliar to us. And even just in these verses, we've heard times where you probably need to know your Old Testament even to kind of in some ways make sense of it. Who's this Israel and who's Jacob? And are we talking about the same person? In fact, yes, we are. So I want to acknowledge that the story of Joseph, like all the stories in the Bible, especially those in the Old Testament, does at first sound like it's about a galaxy a long time ago, far, far away. However, when you start to scratch the surface, and that's what we're going to do and really get into it, 
you start to discover that the human interaction, how the humans relate to one another, their struggles that they have, the conflicts within the human heart, are the same today as they were three to 4,000 years ago. And the way in which the humans in the story interact with God and the way that God shows up in often mysterious ways is the same as in our lives today. So we're going to read this story in, in part just because like so many other stories in the Bible that you just spend a little bit of time with it and you realize like, wow, this is really my story um, about how I live in community with others and who I am uh, before the Holy God. The second thing, uh, the reason why I want to look at Joseph um, is because it's, it could almost have been its own book. You know, it's part of the book of Genesis. It is bracketed off, actually, within the Hebrew Bible itself. It's almost its own. It's, it's a, a section of, of the book. Um, and again, it, you could have stopped Genesis at chapter 36 and, again, had verses 37 through uh, the end of Genesis as its own kind of book called, called Joseph. A lot of parts of the Old Testament, say especially the stories of Abraham that we looked at earlier, they tend to sort of be fragments, uh, sort of these campfire stories that somebody had to weave together into a coherent narrative. Uh, and in fact, you, you can really tell this underneath when you look at the Hebrew, even because there's sort of different vocabulary used in the different stories, even different names for God. And sort of, again, somebody sort of had to stitch this all together. But the story of Joseph is, it feels far more coherent. There's a sort of a consistent narrator throughout. It doesn't feel like a patchwork of stories, but these small stories that add up. Some people have almost said it's a novella. like a, It's more than a short story. Um, it's, it's not quite its own novel. But it, again, it has a number of short stories that, that interweave uh, very successfully. And uh, what that means is not only it's good for a podcast, because we can go, you know, kind of spend some time in it, um, sort of episodes, but it also means that we begin to see some character arcs, some sort of coherent sort of changes within the people. And uh, part of this is uh, the ending of the sort of the Jacob, the father arc. Um, part of it is a, a longer sort of arc into the book of Exodus, the next story, but within the story, you're going to get uh, the way that Joseph uh, is transformed, as well as the way in which his his brothers are going to go uh, undergoing, are going to undergo changes. And so, my hope is that then, in sort of some of these characters and the way the story plays itself out, that we can really again find ourselves in this story, and in the process of finding ourselves. Um, realize profoundly that we're not alone, um, but, but also that the way in which God worked in the lives of those people is also how God might just be at work in our lives today. So that's sort of a, a basic sort of why we're, we're going to do this. Um, maybe just one other technical, uh, again, sort of note would be that Genesis is the first book of the Bible, and you sort of have the first uh, sort of 11 chapters are sort of almost prehistory, almost very sort of grandiose sort of cosmic mythic stories. And then you move into sort of a number of chapters about Abraham, a handful about 
his son Isaac and his uh, wife, and um, actually Abraham's too, was with his wife Sarah and uh, Hagar, and then you have um, their grandson or son Jacob and his brother Esau, and then the story of Jacob's family, and now we come to his child, Joseph, uh, and really then all of the brothers. So that's where we are in the story, and so let's dig a little bit deeper now. Sometimes when people say, oh, they're a Christian family, what we kind of imagine is that they live in a nice house that has um, lots of cute wall decorations, um, and that they uh, maybe homeschool their children, and they have, you know, um, a white picket fence, and, um, you know, we might have all of these sort of stereotypes around that, um, but fundamentally, we probably think of, oh, like, you know, they're a happy family where everybody kind of gets along, and again, they have 2.3 kids and a dog. It turns out that there is no biblical family in which there is a mom and a dad and two to three kids where everybody gets along and they don't live in the same house uh, or in the same basic plot of land as with multiple generations, right? There is no suburban development uh, in the Bible. Um, and what it turns out is that all the families in the Bible are, are blended patchwork families um, in, in which there's often um, struggle, jealousy, affairs, um, the, just the whole thing is, is people dying uh, early, multiple generations living together. Um, again, all the stories uh, of the Bible show, again, yes, there are intensely tight and important family relations, but they're often having a lot of conflict. And that's the same with the Joseph story. Joseph is, in fact, um, a child of a polygamous father, who um, it, that's its own wild story of how this ends up being this way, but he ends up with two wives, and each wife has a sort of has a, a female servant that um, is ultimately used to produce children for, for Jacob. And so Jacob then has two concubines and, and two wives. And one of the children is Joseph. And unshockingly, um, these uh, wives and then their children have a lot of bitterness and factions and rivalry within them. Um, so the story of, of Joseph, um, the sibling rivalry plays a huge part in how the events, especially initially, unflow, uh, sorry, unfold. And, and so it's a chance maybe for us to reflect on our own families and the extent to which we've had sibling rivalry or maybe cousin rivalry, and how that sibling rivalry not only played itself out when we were children, but how that played itself out when we were older. Right? These uh, children now, these sons, are no longer children, but they're, you know, the youngest is, is, or the second youngest is Joseph here, and he's 17, and the rest are probably in their 20s, maybe 30s, right? They're full-grown adults, and there's still a lot of struggle with in them. And so I'm, I'm curious again in your own family how this has played itself out uh, for you and your siblings. Maybe you've seen it within your parents' generation. Maybe you've tried to stop it within your own children's generation. Um, so yeah, so just a real basic reminder that families in the Bible um, do not all look alike and uh, that there is a commonality among them 
it's that there's often a lot of struggle and a lot of tension and a lot of strife amid a deep sense of necessary bonds and also love. And so my question then uh, is, do you find this a word of grace to you that the families in the Bible are really kind of broken and hodgepodge yet somehow loving? Uh, Is this something that makes you feel sort of relieved about your own family? Uh, To know that in spite of the brokenness that God can work through it in, with, and under families? Or is it something that's kind of disappointing? Like, you're like, no, like, the people in the Bible, like, should have had their their heads together, and we're going to look harder for biblical families that actually, you know, do the right thing, at least most of the time. Um, My my own conviction is that I continue to uh, find a lot of grace in the fact that in the Bible um, that families often struggle, that humans really are challenged to honor their mother and father, to be faithful to their spouses, to uh, know how to discipline yet still love their children, how to get along with their, their siblings, how to let their own envy and pride not get the better of themselves within their own household, right? How to sort of keep generations together in peace. Again, I find a lot of, of grace and wisdom then in, in the Bible in the fact that it shows uh, real people dealing with real sinful hearts and also real love and ultimately God's love shining through that. Lastly, I want to touch on the dreams of uh, Joseph. And I'm somebody who I typically remember my dreams, but I know that's not everybody. I had a roommate in college who told me he didn't remember his dreams, and, and I thought that was really bizarre. And it made me actually kind of wonder if he was really a human, but that's a conversation for another day. <laughs> no, no, I just, I just wonder, you know, how, what it's like to not and yeah, to not remember dreams, maybe that's you're somebody like that, but I think most of us are people who, who really remember our dreams. And uh, I think often our dreams can really be a window into what's going on in our hearts. Uh, a lot of times our dreams can reveal to us some of our, our deeper desires and our fears and our hopes. Going back to my freshman year, I was on the phone with my parents early on in the year and telling them that things were going well and that I didn't think I needed to come home for fall break. It was that night or the next night I had a dream in which I did go home, but then when I was leaving home, I was in tears because I didn't go, I did not want to go back to school. And I woke up realizing that, yes, indeed, I really did miss home. Again, our dreams can often reveal to us what's really going on, and I'm curious if you've had those dreams about work, about family, about relationships, uh, maybe about church or another activity you're involved in or something else where it hasn't just been bizarre and random, but you, you see within sort of those various images and occurrences in, in your imagination of your mind that it revealed something to you about who you are, what your fears were, what your hopes are. The thing, though, that to push it a little bit further is that Joseph's dreams seem to not only be a reflection of his own hopes, but they actually tend, and they turn out, and we'll find this in the end, to be something that's predictive. And I'm just curious if you've ever had dreams where you felt like it was a, a premonition, a sign of things yet to be, or you've had dreams you feel like have, have come 
true. Not just like an abstract dream, like I dream, you know, I, I dream of winning this race in terms of sort of idle daydreaming, but where you've really sort of had a dream and that dream has come true. What I'm starting to probe at here is that um, dreams are one of those spaces where um, we, we acknowledge that we come to sort of the, the limits of where we can figure it all out. Like some mornings I've woken up and, you know, my dream just made absolutely no sense. Or I realized that I watched too much of the Lord of the Rings series and that I just had nightmares for that reason or something. Like, but, so again, there's, there's something about dreams. Sometimes we can figure out what they mean and other times we just figure, well, that was just kind of a crazy, silly, uh, random bit of information that I, my brain needed to sort of throw away. It's not clear in the story of Joseph the origin of the dreams. Are they just simply a manifestation of Joseph's ego? Are they f- having more insidious or evil genesis because they produce such division in the family? Are they really gifts of God that later on in the story will serve to encourage Joseph in his darkest hours that that God has a future, God has a purpose, God has a plan for him? It's not entirely clear. In the story of Joseph, the role of God is rather mysterious. And what I mean is that there aren't times where the heavens open up and there's a booming voice from God that says, this is what you shall do. Uh, You know, in the story of Moses, there's a burning bush. In the story of Abraham, God speaks to Abraham as he's looking at the stars. But in the story of Joseph, uh, there's there's a sense and a curiosity. Is, Is this, you know, what's the origin of this? Now, later on, the Bible will interpret this dream to be of God. For uh, Joseph, in the end, will see this again as something that God had foreordained, what was told to him in his dreams about his brothers bowing down to him. Also, the Bible in the New Testament, interestingly, has Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, have a dream in which an angel speaks to him kind of affirming that that God works through dreams with people named Joseph. But I think in in our lives, it's, it's, again, it's a bit less uh, certain. And not just about dreams, though. Really, the whole of the way that God works in the story of Joseph, I think, is something that we'll uh, resonate with. Because, again, there aren't these sort of clear, sort of, this is what God is doing in, in the life of Joseph. Only later on, when Joseph looks back, can he say for certain, this is what God was doing. But, but in the moment, there's a lot of things that don't go the way that Joseph would want them to. And it's unclear at any of those given junctures how God is working on, on his behalf. One of the sort of things we like to do, especially in, I would say, uh, Western or theology and even Western philosophy or just maybe just people who go off and speculate late at night, either in college dorms or just wherever else, is to think about free will and where our will 
uh, how far we are in control and how much God is in control. And we approach it like a puzzle to be solved, as if somehow we can sort of delineate clearly the line where our agency begins and ends and the divine begins working and the divine ends its work. But the Bible never, especially the Old Testament, uh, and really the stories of Jesus, they don't present sort of God's agency versus our agency as some riddle to be solved or sort of question to be answered. Rather, it's, it's a bit of a mystery to be explored. Again, the, the line between where God's will and, and sort of my will, um, that is not a question to be answered. It's really a mystery to be explored. And that somehow uh, we trust that God is at work in our lives, but we humbly acknowledge that we can't always figure out at any given moment, especially when things happen that are not good, whether this is a result of our doing or if this is somehow God working out some other purpose that we cannot see. So what I'd like to sort of end with then is just this invitation to uh, openness about how God is involved in our lives, uh, to invite us into the story of Joseph and into sort of this mystery to be explored of, of um, how God shows up in dreams, in the events of our family, in the brokenness even of our family, in times of healing, and how, God, how God's grace manifests itself, um, uh, again, less as a question to be answered and more of a mystery to be explored. If you're looking to engage further with this passage, I'll be preaching on it on September the 18th. And we'll have a number of Bible studies uh, leading up to that. We will have a, uh, on Sunday morning, we'll have be a number of groups that are discussing this, as well as uh, the Thursday morning. And that is actually one you can also uh, chime, so you can zoom in, uh, and you can even just listen in if you want, if you're uh, not in Lidditz. And uh, then we'll also have our pod and pub. So more opportunities to reflect together on this, but hopefully uh, some, some pondering and some invitation into, uh, into this story has uh, been, been heard by all of us today.